Merry Christmas. It's great to see you. What a wonderful way to start off our celebration of the Lord's birth by being together with our loved ones uh, and together uh, celebrating Jesus. So we're really glad that you're here. We're uh, walking through our Advent series as a church family called The Perfect Christmas. And some of you have already experienced that the perfect Christmas is really hard to create. Right. You bought the perfect gift and it was the wrong size. You uh, tried to find the perfect gift and everybody had sold out of it because everybody thought it was the perfect gift. Right. We worked so hard to create the perfect Christmas, but there actually has been one. It was the first one. Uh, our text has been Galatians chapter four, just two little verses, verses four and five have kind of driven our whole conversation this Advent season. It says this when the fullness of time had come, uh, one translation says uh, at just the right time. When when the scriptures talk about completion or fullness, uh, another translation is the word perfection. At the perfect time, God sent forth his son. At the perfect season, God sent forth the perfect person for the perfect reason. To be born of woman, to be born under the law, under the curse of the law. The curse that we can't be perfect. To redeem those who were under the law. So that we might receive adoption as sons. At the perfect season, God sent forth the perfect person to be born for the perfect reason. And this morning we're going to focus on uh, kind of a, a parallel to that idea of the perfect reason by talking about the perfect tree. The perfect tree. The thing about the perfect tree is we all define that very differently. So we've put everybody's idea of a perfect tree just about on one tree which means it's no one's perfect tree, right? That's what happens when we try to make everybody happy is nobody's happy, right? And so we, we have this tree. I, I'm, I'm curious, just a quick survey. How many of you, the perfect tree has to be a real tree that somebody actually like chopped down? So yeah, wow, not a lot of you. Okay, that's interesting. How many of you, the perfect tree is the one that comes out of a box with just layers and layers of packaging tape on it, right? How many of you, let's just be honest, in the house of the Lord could care less, you're like, I don't need a tree. This is a waste of time and money. Okay. Bah humbug. Um, it's Christmas morning. You're supposed to lie. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, so the perfect tree for me would not be a real tree. Uh, just the whole uh, experience and then bringing something that's going to die into the house. That's, that's not my jam at all. But uh, the, the perfect tree for some is real. For some, it's fake. For some, the lights are very important. We've got white lights down here at the bottom, and then we have multicolor lights. And then we were going to put, like, flashing lights on here, but we were afraid for those who might have seizures. We didn't want to create any problems. And to be fair, if your living room needs to look like Las Vegas, maybe we should talk. But... Um, <laughs> We've got both on here, whatever. And what's interesting, we have a little ornament on here that has a little fake candle in it. Um, do you realize that the original Christmas trees had actual candles in them? Can you imagine a dumber idea? Like, what were they thinking? The And, and what had nothing to do with Christmas. Apparently, when this began, it was something called the Feast of Adam and Eve. I don't even know what that is. Um, but it was this tradition where they would bring a tree into the house. They would decorate it. And then the, the, the I don't think this is real, but the legend is that the great reformer Martin Luther, who gets credit for a bunch of stuff he didn't do. Like, I can't wait to talk to him in heaven. He'll be like, I've never been to Wittenberg. Anyways, um, he gets credit for all these things. Supposedly, he was out walking in the forest in December, nearing the Feast of Adam and Eve. And he was walking through a bunch of pine trees, and he looked up and saw the stars glistening through the pine trees. 
and he chopped down a tree and carried it back to his house and put candles in it. I don't think that's necessarily true, but supposedly that's the legend of where this whole idea of lights came from. I'm really glad we stopped using actual flame in a tree in a house. Uh, that seems crazy. For some of you, the perfect tree has less to do with what kind of tree and what kind of lights, and it's all about the ornaments. There's two specific ornaments on this tree that tell quite the story of how differently my wife and I would define the perfect tree. This ornament, this glass, lovely, fancy ornament, is uh, from our first ever Christmas as a couple. When we first got married, I think Maurice was just so excited that she had a tree of her own. She was like, I don't care, whatever. And I was like, I want one of those like bougie, perfect trees that looks like it should be in Macy's on Fifth Avenue. You know, the department store tree. Come on, some of you, you've got a spouse because you married the person who doesn't want that tree. Our first Christmas, it was great. Our second Christmas, she had this sentimental ornament that she had gotten at our first Christmas that she wanted to add to our perfect tree. And I'm like, that doesn't match. And then we discovered how different our opinion was of the perfect tree. Now, every year we, we hang these fancy ornaments on the tree in the living room that no one ever walks into. The formal living room, you know, by the piano. Uh, it's actually on the other side of the piano. You can't even see these ornaments, but they're still in our house. By God, we haven't given up on them. That, now, we've swung the pendulum quite the other extreme. I actually took this off of our tree in our family room. Only a mother could appreciate this being called an ornament, um, it's, I think this was made here at Temple Christian School. And so if the teacher who helped create this is present this morning, give me some grace for just a moment. Um, it's, it's a white plate and a clear plate glued together. And before I describe this, I just need to say, if you're a guest today, I'm the baby of the family. So it takes one to know one. Bryson made this, our youngest son, because the, only the baby of the family would think, what does my family need for Christmas? A picture of me. Right? Vintage baby of the family, right there, picture of me, right? And then it says this on it. It says, if kisses were snowflakes, I'd send you a blizzard, which sounds like assault to me. Like that... If we've canceled the song... Baby, it's cold outside. How are we sending a blizzard without... Okay, anyways, um, it's just weird to me. This has become the definition of a perfect tree in our house. Now, to be fair, <laughs> this was hanging on the back of the tree. <laughs> just to give a little honest disclaimer. Then my mom had this ornament on her tree. This is handmade. This was made by my grandmother, who has been... Uh, passed away for over 20 years, and she still puts this on her tree. So whether it's the young sentimental tree that makes the perfect tree or whether it's the older sentiment that makes the perfect tree, we have very different definitions. Um, Nikki Briley helped us with this tree. Uh, she took the time to pop the popcorn and string the popcorn and hang the popcorn because <laughs> when you don't have kids, you have a life and you have time. Some of you can remember back to when you had the time to do that. Um, thank you for that. That's for all the, the popcorn moms in the room. And then there's ribbon on the tree for all the Chip and Joanna moms in the room. We like that. There's actual, like, real oranges that were toasted hanging on the tree because she said that's the hipster granola thing to do this year. I don't know why, but it's here and lovely and it smells nice. So if you would like to take some fruit with you while you go, 
uh, feel free to do that. Um, so we've also got a bunch of just the standard color for those who are more into the department store tree. What makes the perfect tree? Second survey, asking again for honesty. How many of you most years when the decorations are going up, there's a fight in the house? Right? Come on. The rest of you are lying. <laughs> so the, the Christmas merry fight that tends to happen in our house is, he's not doing his fair share. He's on his phone. He's not helping. He's not, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And usually then the kids say, and each other, they're talking about me. But um, maybe there's conflict, not because we're too focused on the perfect tree, but maybe because we're focused on the wrong perfect tree. Because here's what I would submit to you this morning. There has been a perfect Christmas tree. And it's the cross of Jesus Christ. This is typically the, the Good Friday prop that we get out. Those of you who are a part of the Temple family, you know this. Uh, pretty much every Good Friday we have this cross out on the stage. And it might seem odd or out of place to you. Why is this out for Christmas? And here's why. This is the perfect Christmas tree. This is the joy to the world. God so loved the world that at the perfect season he sent forth his son the perfect person for the perfect reason to lay down his life so that you and I could experience joy and hope and peace this is the perfect Christmas tree you know all throughout the New Testament the the different writers of the New Testament refer to the cross from time to time as the tree Like, you know something is important when it gets its own article, the, right? It's not just a tree, it's the tree. And even in our Advent text here in Galatians chapter 4, if we just hang a left one street over, if you look just across the page in Galatians chapter 3, it talks about the fact that God sent forth his son to redeem us. It says this in verse 13, of chapter 3, Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, the curse that we don't have it all together and we're not perfect, by becoming a curse for us. It's written, cursed is everyone who's hanged on a tree. As beautiful as Christmas morning is, we need to face the Christmas reality that none of us are perfect. We need to face the Christmas reality that there's actually a problem that needs to be solved in order for Christmas to be merry. Theologian John Piper said this, Our main problem at Christmas, and every other season too, is this. How can we get right with a holy God? If we're not perfect and God's perfect, how can we be right with Him? And the answer is, He was born on Christmas morning in order to go to the tree. The Apostle Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 24. It's referring to Jesus. He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree. By his wounds, we are healed. Merry Christmas. Man, he took the problem that separates us from God into his own person on the tree so that we could be healed. 
And if we focus so much on his birth this Christmas morning and not on the Christmas tree, we'll forget the whole point of joy, the whole point of hope. Do you realize that Jesus being born doesn't save us? Jesus being born doesn't make us right with God. Jesus living a holy life without sin, by itself it doesn't make us right with God. The great example that Jesus set for us about how to love people, that doesn't fix us. Even his teachings by themselves can't save us. He had to make a payment on the tree. You want to talk about an expensive Christmas, (laughs) right? There's been no gift that's ever cost more than the gift that Jesus chose to pay for you this Christmas. And, And if that makes you sad, understand this. It doesn't make him sad. Hebrews chapter 12 tells us that we look to Jesus, the founder and perfecter. Remember, remember perfect, uh, perfection can also mean completion, right? The starter and the finisher of our faith. Who, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. This was a joy for him to pay this price so that you could have a relationship with his father. This morning we do celebrate his birth. That is the point of this. But let's make no mistake. The reason he came was to pay the price to rescue you from despair and hopelessness and lostness. It's interesting the the idea of a newborn. Like is there anything more hopeful than a newborn I remember when, when we found out Marisa was pregnant with our firstborn. There was a lot of nervousness. But there was also a level of hope I'd never experienced before. Dreams about future and plans and thinking about what's his life going to look like one day. And, and the hope of Christmas is that Jesus came on a mission to lay down his life for us. He's the only baby who ever was born under a death sentence on his own free will. He chose to come to pay the price so that we could have life. This is Christmas joy. So I would say this this morning. What makes the perfect tree is not so much what's on the tree or even what's under the tree. It's who is on the tree. His name's Jesus. And he has come to save us. And if that's true, then no matter what I face on Tuesday or next Thursday or three Fridays from now, can define me, can rattle me, can destroy me. Jesus came to give himself for me. If this is the perfect tree and my life is rooted in this, I have a hope that cannot be stolen. I have a confidence that can't be shaken. I have a future that is as secure as the resurrected Jesus. There's joy to the world because Jesus came to make his blessings known as far as the curse is found.
everywhere that there's failure, he came in victory to save us. So this morning for every family here today, we have a Christmas gift for you to put on your tree. And it might not make for the perfect tree. It might not match your theme. It might not match your motif. But as you leave today, we have a gift for you to remember the perfect tree. The real reason that there's hope and joy this Christmas is that Jesus came looking for the perfect tree at the perfect season as the perfect person for the perfect reason so that he could save us.